I think I have a, a lot to learn, especially where that is, is concerned. So that is really good advice. I mean, I did too. And I learned it through painful, painful corporate <laughs> trainings. <Ooh>. So <laughs> if you can avoid that pain, <laughs> I am happy to pass that on to you. Hey, Edda Buddies, and welcome to the Edda Buddies podcast. This is a show about writing, editing, and the friends you can make along the way. Some of you might have noticed that I did not post an episode last month, and I'm really sorry about that. It turns out that selling your house and moving 1,300 miles across the country takes a lot of time and energy, and I just couldn't make it work, so the podcast had to be sacrificed but I will make it up to you at some point in the future. Today's episode is brought to you by me. Me! I've been here the whole time! You know, ever since I started this show, I've wanted to interview a science fiction fantasy editor, but I really struggled to figure out who would be the best person. Then I realized I'm a fantasy science fiction editor, And this is my show. And July just happens to be my birthday month. So, welcome to the first ever shameless self-promotion episode. Thanks for being here. Yay! I did not think that you would enjoy just hearing me talk to myself about myself. So, I am thrilled to welcome back Logan Austin of Austin Fiction Editing, who you might remember from our March Horror episode. I'm so glad they're back, and we had a fantastic time talking about my personal journey with writing and editing and some of the genres that I really love to talk about. After the interview, I'm going to have a couple little announcements to share, so I hope you will stick around for that. Enjoy my conversation with Logan, and I'll see you on the other side. Um, however you want to start. It's your it's your show now, Logan. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm, I'm taking over. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, again, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I was really excited when you asked me to do this. So, you know, I'm, and I, I think, too, this will be kind of kind of cool because I, you know, I have like a passing knowledge of, of sci-fi fantasy in the way that, you know, I, I, I read it sometimes. Um, I, I know maybe as much as, as the average Joe, but um, I'm, I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert by any means, so. Um, I'm excited to learn. <laughs> hey, this um, is perfect. This is like the reverse of me interviewing you when I know like exactly. not very much about horror. So this will be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I the first thing, of course, that I wanted to ask, um, what what did inspire you to what began your editing journey? You know, um, it was really roundabout. I have been writing and editing, reading, writing and editing since I was very young. I actually taught myself to read at four years old. Oh, wow. According to, according to my parents, which, you know, yeah. parents love to like brag about their kids. But sure. um, yes, I, I was always the bright child. I was actually homeschooled and mm-hmm. I excelled at that. I was very self-motivated and loved reading and writing. And um, but I wanted I thought I wanted to be an actress. That's mm-hmm. what I did. That's what I decided on in middle school. And I it took me a long time to get that out of my head. I actually went to like school for film and media and yeah that's what my degree my degree is communications but i took pretty much all film and media classes and then i spent about three years as a production assistant working on reality television shows in the kansas area (laughs) where where i grew up yes it was a very cool experience that i 
would never repeat. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> horror, horror stories. Yeah. But however bad you think the set of a reality TV show is, it's worse. Like, I'm not wow. kidding. Yeah. Um, well, I can already picture it pretty bad. So, <laughs> yeah. But, terrible. I'm sorry. But the interesting thing about it is um, it teaches you a lot about storytelling. Like, Ooh, really? Yes, because yeah. ultimately they're following these people around mm -hmm. and then through a process of editing, creating mm -hmm. a story out of all this content that they capture. So they tell whatever wow. narratives they want, just yeah. using the language of like filmmaking to tell it, you know, mm -hmm. and you can make the audience believe shit that like never really happened. It's it's yeah. kind of magical, actually. Wow. <laughs> it's really cool. I, I was going to say, you know, I'm sure that that had, you know, an impact maybe on your your editing, um, you know, what you what you brought to editing. So that, that does sound really cool, like to be able to pull together a cohesive story from just, you know, clips that you got following somebody around. Yeah. Um, so were you, were you on the, on the editing team then of, of the people putting together those? No, not um, at all. Um, yeah. Actually, I was on the opposite side of it. I was the production assistant. So I was watching, not all the shows operated the same way, but the yeah. one that sticks in my mind the most, they were writing it the morning that we were shooting things oh. <laughs> with real people because we didn't give the people scripts we just kind of put them in situations and was like okay you're going to talk about this you're going to talk about this and you'd uh -huh. find like charismatic people that could do that mm -hmm. um but yeah so i'd watch them like build the story and then i'd listen to them talk about how they would edit it in order to you know and they you know there was lots of different ways of doing it but um it was just really interesting, like seeing them, they were always thinking of how can we cut this together and how to yeah. shoot it in a way that would work with the narrative they were trying to build. Yeah, that is so interesting. Yeah, that is really cool. Well, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, that that has, you know, made an impact on your, your editing. Were you thinking at all about um, editing in the future when when you were there? Or? Yeah, I mean, well, no, actually, no. So <laughs> I, I, I thought I was going to go into film editing, but I was doing the when I was doing the production assisting, I thought I was going to land in film editing and I did yeah. some of that. Um, I didn't really do any editing of writing until I got a like corporate job. <laughs> so when I was a kid, um, I wrote fan fiction and I, with a friend of mine and we edited. Oh, each other and, and we yeah. did several chapters of a lord of the rings fan fiction because you know, i did the same thing as a kid like, <laughs> I, I did absolutely the same thing so of course we all did well, right we, we yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah so that was a that was a really important formative thing for me was like working on that with her and developing my voice as a writer and learning how to develop somebody else's voice as a writer um mm -hmm. but when I got this idea of like, I'm going to be in Hollywood, I got kind of like single minded. And that's what I worked for. Um, and then I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and I ended yeah. up spending several years working for a school district, um, where I was writing and editing a lot of technical documents, like it was for a technology department. So very dry, boring, email outage notifications. That's what I was working on. And um, slowly, because I was super bored, I started taking on more responsibilities and I started doing like live in-person trainings. And I took on a lot of like the education of um, non-teaching staff. So people who were not teachers, but still needed to use all the different programs in the district, that's who I was working with. Um, mm. So I learned a lot about 
building relationships and and teaching adults through that experience while I was also doing writing and editing as like the main focus of my job. Yeah. Um, so then life happened as sure. it does. Yeah, unfortunately. And I ended up in a kind of a well, COVID happened, more life happened, shit happened. Yeah. Um, I ended up at a pretty low spot. Mm-hmm. And I it was one of those things where you're like, you know, what, what are we living life for exactly? Do I really care? about implementing these things for this place anymore. I don't, yeah. I don't. I, I, and so I figured out I wanted to be an editor. Like it literally just was like that. Like I had spent so many years trying to find a niche that felt like it fit me mm-hmm. and not it not clicking, but it really was that kind of like lightning rod of like, oh, I could be an editor. It was actually The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> that that pushed me to that um because in the show at least i haven't read the book don't tell anybody um this will be our secret (laughs) yeah thank you Uh, but in the show at least elizabeth moss character is a Mm. is an is an a book editor and Mm. i was like i I was like that is a job that people do also one of my favorite um holiday romantic comedies the holiday jude Mm. law is a book editor and it was like I kept seeing these things and all of a sudden it like coalesced and I was like, I love story. I love reading. I love writing. Yeah. I hate the stuff that I'm working on. How can I like find a way to actually enjoy this? Mm-hmm. And this is what I found. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a, what a nice journey. It seems like it all really prepared you. You know, you learned a lot of the <laughs> skills that you would need. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to look back and see that now. It sure yeah. didn't freaking feel like it at the time. <laughs> oh, I'm so, sure. <laughs> I felt like I'm I was sure. flailing all over the place <laughs> with like no hope of like finding a purpose. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because we, we've had kind of similar experiences, um, you know, working kind of jobs that we didn't like and, and having that aha moment. So I, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I guess, you know, on that, on that train of thought, um, what then inspired you to begin a podcast? Well, with any business, you have to find the people that want what you're selling. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I went to actually the conference that we met at, um, yeah. ASIS 2022, I went to a panel there and I don't remember the name of the person who put it on, which I feel bad about cause she was great. Maybe I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. Um, uh-huh. but she was talking about kind of how to start a business. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that she impressed was like, here's a list of all of the things that people are going to tell you, you need to do in order to start a business. You need to have a website, you need to have a newsletter, you need to have a blog, you need to have, uh, you know, 500 contacts, you need to be cold emailing these people, you need to be all of the things that you're supposed to supposedly do. And it was so and she was bang on, it's so intimidating, because of course, you're like, how do I start an editing business? And you Google it, and then you get like 500 lists that all have like conflicting You have to run multiple social media accounts, you know, yeah. But during this panel, what she said was like, I didn't have to do any of these things. And she was like, I I didn't even have a website for like the first like however long, you know, she started. And, and she was like, the reality is, nobody is going to be able to build their business the same way you have to find your strengths and the things that you can enjoy and the things that you you can continue to do even when it's hard and 
and build something sustainable from your strengths rather than try to follow a blueprint that like somebody else has put up. That probably like saved my editing business life, like that piece of advice. It honestly yeah. probably saved me in like a lot of other ways. <laughs> <laughs> that is really smart. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of filing that one away to be honest. I mean, That's seriously. So I, I, I just was like, okay, so I know how to build a website because I did that as part of my previous job. So I was like, I can have a website. That is one avenue of marketing that I am comfortable working in. What's something else? Well, I've wanted to start a podcast for years. I love listening to podcasts. I think it's such a fantastic way to learn and to share information and to, um, I'm like, I'm an NPR girly. I hate that, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, podcasts are fun. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% get it. Um, so it's like, I think this will be really cool. And then, you know, we talked about it at that conference because that's really where I had the idea for it. It's like, oh, like if this is something that I want to do and she's telling me, you know, the, the panel lady is telling me, try it, like, you know, yeah. try whatever your strengths are, then why not? So, and yeah. it took me a long time. I mean, I we first recorded our podcast like a year ago mm-hmm. and I only got it out like two months ago. <laughs> you did such a fantastic job thank you yeah i mean i was still working full time and honestly that goes i mean i think i don't remember i don't remember what your question was i'm really sorry did i answer it uh yes no yeah i did Uh, what what inspired you to begin the podcast so yes oh Um, yes 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 that that was a perfect answer You, you actually, I think we're about to answer probably my next question is, I is, so. um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very interested to hear, you know, your, your experience, um, as you're, you're going full time. Um, yeah. that's something that I've been wanting to do now ever since I began. Um, it's, it's been a goal of mine. And so I, I want to hear all about that. <laughs> um, how, how did you come to that choice? And, you know, were there any barriers? Like what's, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So similar to figuring out that I even wanted to be an editor in the first place. Um, I had to be forced into it until I had no other option. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Um, It's scary. scary. Yeah. Well, so the last two years at my like adult person job, my desk job, I was actually working as a project manager, Mm -hmm. which again, really good experience. Editing is project management. It absolutely is. There's a ton of overlap. So, and a ton of relationship, relationship building too. So all great skills that have contributed to this, but it was by far the most difficult job I've ever had. And, uh, with all the other stuff that was happening in my life at the time, I just ended up completely burnt out. Like as many have, you know, coming back from COVID and how life is just, changed like the world has changed and it's scary and stressful and and everybody's on edge and um and i couldn't muster up the energy to care about this job anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i wanted to do the editing that's what i want i now that i knew what i wanted to do i was like i want to focus on editing and i don't have the time or the energy because i'm so drained by this other thing Mm -hmm. so luckily luckily um that job paid pretty well at, for where I live. I live in a very low cost of area, low cost of living area in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, so I was able to save up and I am engaged and my fiance is also working, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he, he's also self-employed, but um, he has a more steady income than I do. Yeah. So we talked about it and I was just like, I'm just burnt out. I don't want to do this anymore. Let's just, we're just going to live on savings and we're going to take the leap, you know? 
and yeah. that's what we're doing. So that's we're awesome. All, yeah, yeah, it's it's terrifying. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but um, but I'm really, really enjoying just the time that I've had. I so I quit February 10th, so just about mm -hmm. almost three months ago. Um, yeah. and I've just been spending the past three months, you know, recovering. Honestly, mm -hmm. like oh, being yeah, I'm sure being really kind to myself, trying to eat well and exercise and all that annoying stuff. Also eat a lot of sugar because I like sugar and it makes me happy, you know? Um, <laughs> it's a balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, it's wonderful because I've, I've, I've seen a lot of progress and I've been use, able to use my project management skills that I did learn from that job in managing myself and managing the podcast and managing the things I want to do in my business and managing a move that we have upcoming. Like there's a lot happening, but I, I, yeah. because I'm the one making all the decisions, it's happening pretty smoothly. <laughs> thank God so far. Yeah. So. And actually this is a little bit maybe um, if this is off topic, tell me and we can cut it out. Um, but I'm interested to hear more about the project management skills because I know yes. that that's something that I need to improve on like a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really struggle with like time management and, um, you know, I feel like I do a lot of, uh, things to learn my stuff where editing is concerned, but, uh, everything outside of that, I kind of just flail around. So what, what, what would, what advice, you know, would you have for somebody who needs to learn project management? Unfortunately, project management is kind of like editing where you have to develop your own style. There's, gonna, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of different people who are going to say you're supposed to do it this way or you're supposed to do it this way, but you kind mm -hmm. of have to find the system that's going to work for you. Um, yeah. But in general, I think a really important part of project management is setting very clear goals. That's something a lot of people struggle with because mm -hmm. a lot of times when they hear goals, they set things like, okay, I'm going to get 10 new clients this month, or I'm going to get five new clients this month. They, they, they pick where they want to be mm -hmm. instead of what they can realistically achieve. So <laughs> yeah. uh, my biggest advice, if you want to like start like managing projects more, think about the whole picture of the project, what you want to achieve at the end and then build a series of smaller, more achievable goals back to where you are. And I'm literally talking about like tasks that will take you five minutes, you know, like yeah. write them down. I use I a, <laughs> yeah, I need to, I have a sticky note system and every, not every day, cause that's the other thing. Don't stick rigidly to any system because anytime you try to be like, I'm going to do this every single day perfectly, you're going to fail. Like, don't even try. Yeah. It's not worth it. Um, <laughs> if you can stick, if you can figure out a system that you can stick to 80% of the time, you have an excellent system. So don't worry about it. Um, but I yeah. use a sticky note system and I literally just have four columns on a piece of poster board that I got from the Dollar Tree. And it, it says, do today, do this week, do sometime done. Oh, that's, that's clever. That's it. And so everything yeah. that I need to do, I put in my do sometime board. And then when I feel like doing stuff, I look at what's in my do today board. <laughs> and that helps me be a lot more flexible. Um, I'm the kind of person who I will get started on a task and I'll do it really well for 20 minutes and then I'll get bored and I need to do something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I try <laughs> to, yeah, I try to think of tasks that will take me about 20 minutes to do. So, you know, yeah. I try to break up the chunks that way. So mm -hmm. that is really, really smart. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> I'm I like start it. trying to use that idea. 
yeah, please let me know if you set up. And again, it has to be individual to you. Like I tried yeah. to set up my partner with a similar system and he abandoned it after like two days. And I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, well, it was too far away. I didn't want to have to get up and walk over to the wall to change over the thing. And <laughs> I'm like, funny. okay, like that's not a problem for me, but it wasn't a system that worked for him. He had to like yeah. adjust it for his, for his own personal style of working. I, I think uh, I think I have a, a lot to learn, especially where that is, is concerned. So that is really good advice. I mean, um, I did too. And I learned it through painful, painful corporate trainings. So <laughs> if you can avoid that pain, I am happy to pass that on to you. Oh, thank you. I'm definitely going to try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to switch gears just yeah. a little bit and kind of go into um, your thoughts about kind of your specification um like i was telling you earlier you know i don't know uh very much about maybe the editing and writing side of science fiction and fantasy you know what would you say makes like editing science fiction and fantasy unique in your opinion you really have to love made-up nonsense <laughs> <laughs> i love where you're starting with that, yeah, I get it. I totally, totally get that. Um, there's a there's a TikTok that is going around, kind of in book talk, that's like making, you know, playfully making fun of like Sorry. fantasy books. That's like, and as they were traveling to the castle of Flofflofladoon, and the, the fair maiden Marilla Nathan, it's just, it's always made up names, made up stuff, and yeah. you either love it or you don't. You're either you either get with the program or you don't. Um, I think though that when it's done well, it can be such a beautiful way of like exploring a different world, you know, it transports yeah. you literally, if it's done well, it transports you into a completely different way of life and a different way of being in the world, yeah. you know, and then it uses that to ask horribly wonderfully deep questions about what it means to be human and what it means to be good and what it means to you know have a good life like that is the ultimate question of like all sci-fi and fantasy is like those those big big questions yeah so that's, awesome. I, that's what i just love about it you know mm -hmm. um it's also what makes it really long-winded and pretentious and, <laughs> and frustrating to deal with at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a it's a challenge every single time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I also love that people are just so passionate about it. You know, like everybody says about pick your sci-fi fantasy, like the worst thing about it are the fans. Like the worst things about Harry Potter are the fans. Oh, no. The worst thing about Star Wars are the fans. The worst thing about yeah. Star Trek is, because we, we do, we just argue and argue and argue about the most petty stuff, but it's because mm -hmm. we love it so much and it means so much to us. And you always, you know, feel defensive about the things that mean things, mean something important to you. Yeah. That is a really good answer. That makes a ton of sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess kind of thinking, uh, you mentioned, you know, world building, um, mm. and I, I realized one of the things that I love about <laughs> editing primarily horror uh, is is that I don't have to work on a lot of <laughs> world building. Oh. Um, it's, really, it's something that is really complex, it's hard for me. It's when, I, when I'm doing all, my own personal writing, that's something yeah. that's really, really hard. Um, you, you know, would you say that that is something like learning, um, learning to edit uh, and help people build their universes and their kind of complex systems. Um, is that something that 
is difficult for you? Is that a part of the process that you enjoy? I love it. Yeah. That's I awesome. Love, I love the world building. Um, it is, you know, there's a, there's a real trope in sci-fi fantasy writers of, especially among new writers of, I have built this incredible fantasy, you know, play pen for myself where I have dreamed up all of these races and all of these things, but I don't know how to make a story out of it. Mm. <laughs> I see that on Reddit every freaking day. Like, yeah. and, and everybody in the comments is like, you did it wrong. You're supposed to write the story first. <laughs> Which I don't necessarily agree with, actually. Oh, really? I, don't, yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't think you have to start with the story first. Um, yeah. I think you have to start, you know, with the idea that, that you're the most passionate and the most excited about. Um, and if that's the world building, that's great. If that's the story, that's great. I think you can you can build one off of the other. Um, you just have to have the right tools in order to do it. Uh, but I don't remember what your question was. So could you remind me? <laughs> I know it was about world building. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that that honestly that helps answer it a lot. Um I, I was just saying, you know, it's something that I struggle with and, and editing it too. Yes. I, I find um I'll make a giant style sheet, you know, yes. and I'll kind of try to follow as, as as closely as I can all these different names and um there's lots of different often there's lots of different places. Um do you find that you have a, a particular system um to handle the more complex projects? So I've actually been just exploring this recently because I'm, I'm the same, like I've done the big style sheet, I've done like the big giant word document story Bible type thing, um, which both have their kind of like pros and cons. Um, yeah. But what I have gotten into, and this is actually just for my own writing, I have not debuted this with a different, um, with somebody else's work yet, but I think mm -hmm. it would work incredibly well. Um, I have been making private wikis so oh, smart. yes so for my own writing i have a private wiki that um it just i only edit myself i just put in notes about my characters my locations my plots um just so that i can track them and then i can super easily link to things as well um mm -hmm. so it's basically like building again leaning into my strengths right i worked in a technical environment for a long time where private wikis are super common. Um, mm. They're how they people build, you know, those knowledge bases every time you have to search on Apple, like, how do I fix this thing? Um, you're you're accessing a knowledge base that that somebody built. Um, yeah. So I do that for my own writing. And I think that that is something that will be incredibly useful for other writers as well to just track everything. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's, it's always been a part of writing. I, I, I don't even write fantasy and I find that I have, uh, you know, everybody has to world build to some extent. Yeah. If you're basing your story in the real world or, you know, there's, there's, you're building your own fictional slice of it. Um, and so there's always, you know, world building that has to be involved. But yeah, I think in some ways it's almost like, even if you're not doing, um, fiction or fantasy, fiction and fantasy is actually easier because you can make stuff up. Um, if you're yeah. <laughs> if you're writing a book and you've set it in the real world and you like are mixing up facts and figures, you need to track that. I actually just had this happen. Um, I was editing a pirate book and fun. yeah, it was really fun actually. Um, it was a really good time. <laughs> but the author kept referencing a certain part of the world and the way that they were talking about it, 
they seemed to think that it was in a part of the world that it was actually not in. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there was a, yeah. So there was a little bit of confusion on this term <laughs> and which part of the world it actually referred to. Um, mm. So I had to like note that and, and be like, hey, you might be aware. And it's that kind of thing that can trip you off. When you're writing, you don't even like think about those things. But as an editor, yeah. that's your job is to like mm. ask the to not just lean on your assumptions but to ask the right questions which is also yeah. the job of a project manager by the way just saying oh yes yeah. you have to there, ask there, the right there questions there should be in these um what's the word i'm looking for like connections between those yeah, two but parallels I, I, I for sure yeah. yeah that's a good word. yeah um that that is really cool that you're you're able to kind of bring those skills in there and i you know, of course, as an editor, I can totally see how <laughs> that that would help. That would, yeah, <laughs> that would help me a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that is that is really great. <laughs> Have you noticed uh, any unique challenges facing science fiction and fantasy writers right now, um, either you know industry wise or um, things that you're noticing in in a lot of clients cropping up? Um, and what advice you know might you give? I think you get start to get a sense when you start really like reading critically, you know, you start to get a sense of the types of authors who watch a lot of movies and television and try to recreate what they're seeing in their mind's eye. So they're thinking visually and they're trying to translate that into the page versus people who think more novel first. How do I paint the picture in, in this person's mind eye, mind's eye? Um, and I don't say that to criticize anybody at all or to say that that's wrong and you should be doing it this other way. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's kind of like level one and you can take it up a level or two um, if you start to read more fantasy and more um, complicated prose. And mm -hmm. you have to stretch yourself in order to do that. Um, you, it's, it's completely fine to read as much as you want, read bad stuff, read good stuff, read stuff you like, don't read stuff you hate, don't waste your time, life's too short, but if you like yeah. it and you enjoy it, read it, it read mm -hmm. fan fiction, read, you know, read everything. I, I, I have no problem with any of that. Um, mm -hmm. but just know that what you take in, that's what you're going to output as a writer. So if you want to develop your writing skills, you have to read writers that are better than you. <laughs> And that yeah. maybe make you a little frustrated. One of my uh, one of my favorite um, when it comes to world building and like creating a setting is um, James Vandermeer. Mm -hmm. Wait, is that his name? Let me double check. No, hold on. I know who you're talking about. From um... what is the name? Annihilation. Annihilation. That's the name of it. Yes, it's the Southern oh. Reach trilogy. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so awesome. James Vandermeer. Yes. And he's a he's a good one because he's a crossover because he's kind of horror, but he's kind of sci-fi fantasy, too. Yeah, um, I picked those up. They were advertised to me as horrors. And so I thought it was funny that you said that uh, because I was like, I had read that the whole time as a horror novel. Yes. Well, there's That's a lot. So of, interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap, I think, actually, between sci-fi oh, sure. and fantasy and horror, for sure. Um, and yeah. this definitely crosses into that kind of sci-fi horror um, but his capture of language and the way that he puts you in this completely otherworldly place and you yeah. feel it and you see it and you see the world the way that he sees it and his descriptions are so long and they are never boring, like ever, like mm -hmm. uh, it's incredible. And here's the thing too, 
I didn't even finish that series. I read the first two books, tried the third one, couldn't get through it, put it down because it was like, yeah. you know what? This isn't for me right now, but I still have mm -hmm. it and I'm going to come back to it at some point and, I, and you know, yeah. and I'll be ready for it. But, mm -hmm. you know, the first, yeah, but those books, they just really pushed me to be like, I've never thought of writing anything this way before. And that's what you have to do. You have to read that kind of stuff um, and, and fail at reading it yeah. to, <laughs> to push yourself, you know, and mm -hmm. learn more about how to use language um, yeah. that will really paint a picture. Yeah, that, that is a really good example, actually, because I did when I was reading his stuff, um, I found them I, I think I had the exact same experience as you, right? I found them very dense, um, yes. but but like enthralling, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. it was something that you really had to uh, apply, you know, kind of your, your your thought process as, as you're reading it. There's so much to think about. And uh, but it's, it's a great series. Maybe this is obvious, but I, I agree. Branching out into different genres or different things that you weren't really expecting to get inspiration from kind of sometimes opens doors to new ways to express yourself in your genre that you weren't expecting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And you, that's the biggest thing for me when I hear about like people complaining about writer's block, which happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's part of the process. But to me that says you're spent. You gotta, you gotta start taking, taking stuff in. You gotta read, mm -hmm. you gotta do, you gotta write, work on something else. You have to do something that feeds your creative well before you can, you know, put it out again. Mm -hmm. I like that metaphor, uh, creative well. That is really smart. That is really awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> with, with Vandermeer being kind of both a horror and a sci-fi, um, are there any maybe subgenres or genre kind of mixes uh, within sci-fi fantasy that, that you find really interesting or are, are really kind of into right now? That's a great question. Mm, I love sci-fi fantasy in general because it is so broad you know you can have um urban fantasy is a really big thing right now um where you kind of have it more set in a modern present world you know um and uh cozy fantasy cozy everything right now is like the thing people just want cozy mysteries and cozy adventures and low stakes cute little fun you know stories yeah. um so I think uh, Legends and Lattes, I don't know if you've heard of that. No. That's a that's a cozy fantasy um, about an orc that, I think it's an orc that owns a coffee shop. I also haven't read it. Dude. We're going we're gonna to cut that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list, but I only have course, so much yeah. time, you know. No, um, yeah, I but I do think that's representative of a, genre, of a genre that I'm seeing a lot of is kind of like cozy, fun, you know, YA fantasy. YA has always been alive and well in, in sci-fi fantasy. Um, and I think it will continue to be like a super popular genre because um, people, you know, ki not kids, but younger people find so much in sci-fi fantasy because um it's an escape and it's teaching them lessons about things and it's really fun and interesting so yeah lots of coming of age stories too so mm. that's, it's very appealing for that age group as well do you then i guess uh do you prefer to edit young adult or adult or do you not make a distinction really in your editing between them make a distinction actually um I for a while I didn't think that I wanted to do kids books I thought I just wanted to do more adult focused things but one I'm, I'm just getting more comfortable in myself as an editor and that helps yeah. me branch out you know and feel like I can try more things but also like 
there's kind of an assumption that if you're writing something like a middle grade fantasy or a YA fantasy, it doesn't have to be as good, you know, mm. like because kids yeah. aren't as perceptive or something. And mm. I think that's really, really terrible. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I agree. Dis I disagree with that. Um, yeah. I think if anything, it's more important that you are taking care with your story because um, those those kids, you know, or those young people are learning about storytelling from those mm -hmm. books. That's how I learned about storytelling. It was from the Nancy Drew mysteries and the all the horse yeah. books that I was reading when I was a middle, <laughs> yeah. middle and, you know, and then when I got into high school, I was reading Lord of the Rings and I was reading C.S. Lewis and that, you know, shaped my understanding of how you tell a story. Um, mm. So I think there's actually kind of a greater responsibility if you're writing for like middle grade or YA to like really focus on having a tight, um, well thought out story with plots that actually go somewhere. So I'm very, I'm very open to pretty much anything under the fantasy sci-fi umbrella. I will line edit pretty much anything. I don't have a preference when it comes to line editing since that's much yeah. more technical, but as far yeah. as developmental editing goes, um, pretty much anything under, under that you could kind of call fantasy sci-fi, I would, I'll do. Um, yeah, I, I, I get that. I have kind of a, a similar thought process. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, is, is there a, a book in the genre that you could have, you felt you could have improved or there mm. was something that um, you could have added to it that would have, you know, fixed an error? I mean, I don't want to call out any books specifically and be like, this one was so shitty because then it just starts like a whole thing. Yeah. Um, Give me a trend of, yes. of, of, of things that you've so, noticed. Yes. So like I said, I think the character, you know, developing authentic relationships is really key. Um, I won't finish a book if I'm bored by the middle of it. I will mm. give it, I will give it to the middle. Um, and it's, I think, I think there's some kind of cliche that I'm probably misquoting, but it's like the most important or the second most important part of the book is the beginning followed only by the middle and the end or like oh. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> something like that you know it's yeah. like you, you want it you know um and I do think that a lot of people lose their story in the middle and so if it's, the mid it's easy to do it is it's so hard like that's exactly where I'm at with my novel that I'm currently working on is I am like I am in like the last chapter or two before we get to the midpoint, which is like when everything in the story changes. And I'm like mm -hmm. terrified. <laughs> I'm like at the same point actually with my really? novel. So we, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm, I'm struggling. I've had some writer's block, so Oh yeah. No, I I know what I want to do and I'm I'm mm. I think I'm ready to do it, but it's taken me uh, it's taken me months of of yeah. just leaving it alone, not thinking about it, not working on it, and re like getting my creative juices flowing again. Yeah. to to get it up there um so i i think in general you really want to think about how is your book starting what are you doing to hook in your readers because that's where a lot of sci-fi fantasy people fail because they think they want to put a huge dump so that people can imagine their world or like understand the politic the politics behind everything readers don't want that <laughs> they don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't start there um you want to you know and i don't necessarily believe with the thing that's like you have to start in the middle of a scene or you have to start in the middle of the action i don't think you have to do that 
Um, but you have to start in a way that sets up the world and makes people want to live there. Um, I think a really good example of this actually is the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm. Like, you know, um, the opening in the Shire is very important to the story because it's everything that Frodo goes on his journey to protect. It is the driving. So even though it's like peaceful, calm, you know, we didn't, we could have dropped in on Frodo as he's like rushing towards, you know, um, Weathertop or towards Rivendell or whatever. And maybe that would have been a more exciting opening, but it wouldn't have worked for that story because the whole thing that he's fighting for, we have to have a sense of that in the beginning, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so think about your beginning and what it's telling people about the rest of your story. Um, and then think about in your middle, what is the hardest thing for your character to face? Um, if you're not torturing them, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one. <laughs> Coming from um, horror, I've heard yeah, that one. <laughs> unless it's a cozy fantasy. If it's cozy fantasy, cozy, then don't torture, do not torture your characters. But um, otherwise, yes, they need to be going through some hard times. And if they're not going through hard times in the middle of your book, you you probably you might have a boring book. So like something to think about. And yeah. then of course the most important thing is the end, right? Um, think about how your ending and your beginning relate to each other. You know, do they feel like a satisfying pair with the middle kind of explaining the transition, or are there things like left out? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really, really hard for authors and people in general to just be, take a step back and have that big picture vision. That's what an editor is. That's, you know, that's our job is to have that big picture vision and say like, okay, I can see what you're trying to do, but it's not working as you think yeah. it is. Here's mm -hmm. some suggestions on how maybe we can make it work the way that you want. That's, I, I love that. I, I, I think it was Val Matthews in that class that we took together who mm -hmm. said, your goal as the editor is to figure out how do the author can achieve what they want with as little change as possible. Mm -hmm. I want that like, stamped like on my forehead like <laughs> that's that's what i want to do mm -hmm. i want to help the author find how to get where they're trying to go without making them have to rewrite their entire book you know yeah because nobody's gonna do that nobody's got time for that yeah <laughs> well you know all that being said um you know if there was any impact that you could leave on your genre as a whole or on your clients you know what 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 would you want to leave them with oof the legacy question that's hard <laughs> I really want people to feel empowered to tell the story that's inside them. Um, you know, storytelling is one of the most ancient art forms, and it is so important to who we are as a species. And I think we've been living in a world where there's this idea that if you want to be a writer, the only way to be a writer and to be successful is to become super famous, right? Um, to become Brandon Sanderson or to become J.R. Tolkien or to become Colleen Hoover or pick whomever, you know, um, that's, that's the goal, right? But I think if you write a really beautiful story that is very meaningful to you and 50 of your closest friends and relatives um read it and they learn something about you that they never knew before that's amazing <laughs> that's yeah. beautiful that's what i want you know that's I, art 
Yes, that's art. Exactly. Art is like, as soon as you like, are like, this must be for the masses. It's like, you've lost the point, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and agreed. if you can if you can get there great that's wonderful i no hate to anybody who's like super successful or a new york times bestseller oh, yeah. like i'm sure they deserve it mm -hmm. um but i just feel like if the, your goal is to make as much money as possible or to get traditionally published you might not be writing for the right reasons and yeah you're going to struggle it, it's already hard like being a writer being an artist is already hard and when you yeah. set these insane lofty goals for yourself you make it harder you can change the goals you can say i want to write this memoir not to sell it but because i want to have a memoir that my grandkids can read you know yeah. that's so meaningful i my great uncle wrote a book about his uh he was the second man to through hike the Appalachian trail and oh, wow. yes and he wrote a that's book crazy. about it yeah. and i love that like i don't think he sold very many copies of that book but it is so meaningful to me as yeah. you know his like somebody in his family that that book exists mm -hmm. um so yeah if i if i have any impact on this industry whatsoever i want people to feel like they can write something meaningful and beautiful um and and it doesn't have to sell a lot of copies to be a success With that, the shameless self-promotion ends. Or has it just begun? If your march to Mount Doom has become a dawdle through the dead marshes, check out my coaching and editing services at midright.com. Or if horror is more your thing, no hard feelings, you can reach out to Logan at austinfictionediting.com. So I'm a little nervous, but mostly excited to share with you all that I am launching a monthly newsletter as a companion to the podcast. The plan is for it to contain episode summaries and teasers and some free articles written by myself and maybe some familiar voices from the podcast. If you'd like to sign up for that, just head to my website and you'll find a link. Promise not to flood your inbox. The emails will only be once a month. Okay, that is enough of me. Next month, I'll bring you a conversation with an editor from an industry that I know very little about, but it has dominated popular media for the past couple decades. I'm talking about comic books, and I'll be speaking with IDW Comics group editor, Chris Simon. It's a really fascinating peek into that world, so I hope you check it out. Stay cool out there, Edda Buddies, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>